Hey guys, it's Morgan here. I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you are feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and today I'm joined by my best friend and co-host, Josiah Keneally, obviously my husband. But we just want to share one little thing before we even get started. Just for the listener, everything that we say and do on this podcast, we want to bring honor and glory to God in that journey. But in addition to that, everything's raw footage. We don't do any cutting of things. We don't do much editing besides the bumpers. So we just want you to know that as a, as a viewer that we're just here to have fun. We're here to encourage you and to come alongside you in prayer. So we have an awesome guest yeah, we joining do. us today. And I know Josiah is eager to introduce this individual. So Josiah, will you take it away and just introduce our wonderful guest on the West Coast? Always. You know, it's such a joy to just co-host this podcast with you, Micah, and also to just come into your cars or your headphones or your homes or your offices or your dorm room, wherever you're listening, we're just counting it a joy and a privilege and a blessing to be on the same team. And that's the winning team. That's the Jesus team. And so we just want to say welcome to Griffin Harrell. He's our special guest today. And Griffin serves as the young adult supervisor at Sandals Church in Riverside, California. Sandals is a multi-site um, church in, with many locations in Sandals um, or Sandals in Riverside, California, <laughs> where uh, Griffin helps create space for young adults to be real. And his role entails planning events as well as investing into the leaders who lead groups for college students and young adults. Griffin's a friend of ours. We've talked a number of times and collaborated with their team on some different things and just reaching young adults for Christ. So Griffin, welcome to the show today. What's up, Cornelius? Hey, thanks for having me on and congratulations on uh, on the big announcement on your guys' pregnancy. I'm super happy for you guys. Uh, yeah, so stoked for you guys. Thank you so much. We're excited to see what God has in store for all of us in our future family. <laughs> and if you're listening and you didn't know, Micah and I are expecting baby Kay in May, and we are thrilled. We can't believe it. We can't wait. And we have no idea what we're getting into. So here we go. Here we go. We even had some little insight from Griffin about time and everything coming up of how life speeds up. So Griffin, we are so excited that you are taking the time today to join us in the studio. We are downtown Minneapolis walking in a winter wonderland. That's right. Once again, and I hear that you're enjoying the 60 degree plus and you have a jacket on, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> if we were... Uh, when you're in Southern California, man, or dips under 70. Oh, man, it's, it's rough out here, yeah. So, uh, you were talking about that. I'm like, snow? i got to drive like 45 minutes to get to the snow. But, yeah. If you're ever out here, you can come join us in the winter wonderland. Oh, gosh. Griffin, yeah. we are so excited that you are here. And we're just going to dive right in, and we're just going to start with your story. So would you be willing to tell our viewers and also bring us in on the loop of how did you come to – the calling of ministry and how did that journey begin? Yeah. So maybe I can, I mean, you guys work in college ministry, so, you know, you got to get your, uh, your testimony to like two minutes. Great. So, Hey, I'm, I'm from, uh, Riverside, California, born and raised. Um, and the, the cool thing about Riverside is that we're kind of in perfect situation to go to the mountains, the beach, the desert. We're only about 30 minutes away from each of those. And, um, a really great community to live in but there's a darker side a, a rougher side just like any big city and um that's sort of where i spent most of my childhood i was uh i was mixed up in the wrong stuff my mom was working three jobs to support us my dad was in and out of prison and um i just sort of was aimless um i i i never went to church growing up never heard the gospel um i started getting into selling drugs i was partying i was fighting i was doing all this stuff um, one day I ended up uh, getting into a fight and uh, it led to me being incarcerated. I went to, um, to juvenile hall and um, it, juvenile hall is about as fun as it sounds. Hmm. You know, uh, it, was, it was an awful experience uh, from the perspective of being a 16 year old kid who just didn't know what was going on and was trying to uh, figure out life, right? Um, so got myself in a bunch of trouble. I was in the maximum security unit uh, with all the guys who were in there for murder, um, armed robbery, you name it, right? Yeah. Um, right. The, yeah, it was it was pretty crazy, and I'm not. 
I mean, I don't know if you guys can tell by the camera, but I'm not the biggest guy, uh, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not the most intimidating looking person. And so it was a, it was a crazy, crazy situation to be in. And, um, I started asking a lot of questions like, why did I get myself into this? Um, what is life supposed to be about? Am I going to be, um, I spent my 17th birthday in jail and I wow. remember, um, I remember I didn't even realize it was my birthday until I was in the I was in the nurse's office and I was in shackles like like what you would think of for like a prison movie or something. I was wearing the like orange jumpsuit. I had the the shackles around my wrists, my waist, and my ankles, right? So I was doing that little shuffle walk. And um and the nurse is like, Oh, happy birthday. And I remember thinking like, what is happy about this birthday? Wow. <laughs> um and so what was so good was I I think that God took me to the place where he needed to take me. Yeah. He took me to the lowest place in my life. And I remember asking like, or I, I remember resigning myself almost to the fact that I'm going to be, I'm going to, this is not the last birthday that I'm going to have incarcerated. I'm going to be in jail probably multiple years for the thing that I did. And, um, I'm sure I'm just going to be one of those guys who's in and out of prison. So, um, so it was a really low point in my life. And, uh, and they have this rule where you can have two books and a Bible in your cell. Wow. And I was like, I don't need a Bible. So I went over and I grabbed a random book off the shelf. I only had a one minute or whatever. So I'm trying to look at the books and I just decided, whatever, I'm just going to grab one. Totally at random. And um, I grabbed the book Robinson Crusoe. I don't know if you guys have ever read that book, but mm-hmm. uh, it changed my life. Wow. God spoke to me fiction, man. And uh, it's a book about this guy who lived his entire life trying to run away from um, from who the world wanted him to be, um, trying to run away from his dad, trying to run away from expectations, um, and he ends up getting shipwrecked, and he's all alone on an island. And I'm like, hey, this is like analogous to my situation. This <laughs> right. is who I am. Yeah, know? yeah. And, and then the next part just wrecked me, man. It, he finds God. Um, while he's on the island, he gives his life to God, and... I stopped and I put the book down and I started thinking about it. I'm like, how can somebody love God when they're in that situation? Yeah. Like what, what kind of God does this guy follow that he's okay with being in this situation? And so, um, they, they have a harvest, uh, which is another big church in Riverside. Um, you know, they, they send ministers out to juvenile hall who hold Sunday service every Sunday. They do a worship service. That's amazing. And I was like, yeah, I was like, maybe I'll go, maybe I'll check it out this week. And um, it happened to be Easter Sunday. And so I heard the gospel for the first time, Easter 2006, and uh, God saved me. And I decided, hey, you know what? Just like Robinson Crusoe, um, whether I'm on this island for another day or another 25 years, I want to follow God. I want to trust God. I want to give my life to him. And so God was good to me. Um, it was my first offense. The the judge was uh, graceful for whatever reason. I don't know why. And um, and so I was able to get out of jail and um, and I didn't fall back in with the old crowd. You know, I kind of just didn't have any friends. And um, I ended up reconnecting with somebody who I knew when I was younger. And she was the only Christian that I knew. And um, and she started taking me around to church and we started hanging out more. And um, and now that's my wife. Um, Unreal. So, wow. God has been so good to me. And so um, that I feel like that whole story is great for the context of, of what my ministry is, um, which is essentially trying to trying to show people that um, that real people get saved by the gospel. Yeah. Right. It's not just it's not just for perfect people. Paul wasn't a perfect person. Um, I'm definitely not. And I wasn't. Um, and and God still looked at me and was like, "Hey, I, I can I can do something. Right. I can, Amen. Uh, I can this guy circumstances." So, yeah. Griffin, that's amazing. I actually didn't know that part of your story, and so I'm hearing it on air for the first time, and just praising uh, praising God in the process because everyone's got a story, and I'm not perfect. Micah is not perfect. Mm-hmm. No, nobody listening is perfect. And this idea that you're saying like Jesus died for real people. 
wherever they find themselves. If they were hypothetically on an island or if they just feel more emotionally maybe on an island or they they feel really isolated in terms mm-hmm. of maybe they've been neglected or abused or disenfranchised or just kind of isolated by their own doing. I mean, it's just like God is every bit as real as he was to Robinson Crusoe, as he was to you, as he is to them. And that is amazing. Mm-hmm. And so now you find yourself um, in this season, like giving back to others and sharing the same Jesus, I heard at one time that we're all just one beggar telling another beggar where we found bread. Right. <laughs> and that would apply to you and, and your ministry now at Sandals Church on staff for, I don't know, six, seven years. A, a handful of them were in kids ministry and now in young adult ministry. And when you look over your time, you know, when you took over the young adult ministry at Sandals Church, there was already a, a rhythm there was already like programming happening and then you kind of were assigned to this task and you surveyed real quickly the needs of your ministry and ended up making some significant changes. And can you kind of walk us through your journey of stepping into young adult ministry, what that looked like and and just kind of what God asked you to do? Totally. Um, I, I had, um, I'd been on staff, right, and I'd helped start the young adult ministry, start some groups, and and, and get things going. Um, but I was still working in kids ministry, and so we hired um, my my friend Fredo Ramos, who's one of our campus pastors now. We hired him to come in um, and be our young adult leader, and um, I continued to work with him. I helped him develop all the programming that we were doing, and I helped him. You know, we built out the whole system with each other, and then um, he kind of got the the call to be a a campus pastor at one of our one of our locations and so um, when they asked me to step in um, I was really excited about it but I was scared because I felt like we were at a transition as a ministry Um, we were launching I think that was our fourth campus that we were launching and it was becoming clear that there were needs that weren't being met Um, Fredo and I had already been talking about it um, and I started speaking with my new supervisor about it and I said hey I would love to do this, but I feel like there's a conviction for me to make some major changes. And um, the my favorite thing about working at Sandals um, is that my pastors are so, they're just open-handed. They're like, whatever God wants to do with this thing, um, he's wow. going to do it. And we're going to listen to him, we're going to follow him. And so yeah. um, he and I talked about it and he said, hey, I've actually been feeling some of the same things because we were getting a lot of people to show up to events. We were getting a lot of people to show up to like our, our stuff, um, but we weren't really accomplishing the goals that we had set out, which for us, a big part of our discipleship process um, happens within them joining groups. So like small groups, community groups, discipleship groups, and them joining teams and uh, teams being volunteer teams. So mm-hmm. serving on kids, that kind of stuff. Totally. And we just weren't seeing that happening. And so, um, we decided that it was probably time for us to cut programming and for us to dive straight into the things that we actually wanted them to do and, and to kind of start with the end in mind and say, hey, we want people to be in community and we want them to be serving. And so how do we foster that? Like, how do we go straight to that and show them that we're going to put our money where our mouth is? Um, and and God has just blessed that. Um, I talk to other young adult leaders and they always say like, like especially multi-site people, and um, they always talk about how they want to try to get out of programming because they see it as such a huge cost. Um, it's all their prep is going into it, mm-hmm. and a lot of times they're not seeing the benefits of they're really after. Like they're not seeing people get connected to the church more. And so, um, yeah, it, it was a crazy, scary thing, but nothing's really worth doing if it's not scary, right? So. Yeah, and I mean, Griffin, if if I remember the story right that you shared with me, there was like a weekly gathering or service in terms of programming with young adult ministry. And then it was like, there was a lot of people coming, but you felt, you felt in your heart or in your spirit, like it wasn't accomplishing the end that God was actually calling you to. Is that, is that kind of right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for a church of our size, it is easy for us to put something on, and then we get a lot of people to show up to it. And I can say, like, I mean, our, our church, we average over 10,000 people a week, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's kind of crazy. Like totally. in the context of 
just thinking about a, a church, that's nuts. So if I do an event and I get like 500 people to show up, I can go and tell people, hey, we had 500 people come. But that's not really what, that, that's not like causing transformation. You know, that's just getting people, like that's getting butts in seats, which is great. Um, but our goal really is to see lives change. Right. Yeah. And so it wasn't like the, like our programming wasn't successful in a, like a numbers kind of way or anything like that. But um, we just didn't see those people getting connected into what our church was really, really hoping for, which is them joining community, them joining teams. And so um, once we started doing that, I mean, yeah, it's just, we've seen about um, like a 400% increase in our group's involvement in the last two years. So Incredible. Been, yeah. Well, and, and I look at, I look at this, I, I, I don't think you're saying this and I don't think that we're saying this, that a weekly service would be bad or if, if oh. or programming, it's not bad. Um, especially if it's, some people might reevaluate their programming and in their setting, it might be the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. They've got people serving and they've got people pouring out and they need to, some way to invest in them. I'm just hypothetically saying like, we're not saying end programming and a weekly service and a gathering, but I think that what you learned mm -hmm. was contextualizing the ministry to the needs of the community that you're serving and the people that you're serving. And if God's called us to be pastors, we're to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, Ephesians 4. And that means helping them serve the needs in the church, help them serve the needs in the community. And with young adults specifically, there's such a relational dynamic in need. So I love that, Griffin, the open-handed model that your leaders show you that, hey, there's some freedom, there's some creativity, and if God asks you to do a service, we're with you. And if God asks you to do small groups, we're with you. But e examining what is the target that we're aiming for, in other words, what is success? And I think that's so good. Yeah, I think that's awesome that you guys are able to elaborate on that as a church and to understand like, hey, we want to be in sync with, with what God is downloading in our season and in the church. And I think a good shepherd knows their sheep and what do our sheep need? They don't need, like you said, they don't need to sit their, their little butts in seats. They need a heart transformation. And, and our goal ultimately is to, to lead people um, to the savior and provide yeah. opportunities of salvation and life transformation and connectedness with other individuals through community. And then if that's small groups or life groups or Bible studies or whatever you want to name them, I think that that is a perfect place to start um, depending on whatever the size of the church is. We have listeners who, you know, may, they may have eight students that are considered young adults. We have listeners who probably have over a thousand young adults in their groups, but we can all take something away. And, and that is truly saying, Lord, what are you calling us to do as a church? And am I still serving the vision, obviously, of my lead pastor, but what have they asked me to steward and how am I stewarding that well? And how do I need to maybe change some leadership structures and whatever that is. So obviously, Griffin, we know that you're a person of prayer and an individual who has a heart for your people, your city, and your setting. And do you want to share with us about how this has shaped and maybe formed some of your young adult ministry leadership? Just those three passions of people, city, and setting. Yeah, I mean, what we're talking about is contextualized ministry, right? Um, you guys said it perfect. I, I do not want to come off like I'm saying, hey, kill programming, stop doing it, because um, like I, I mentioned, Harvest, Harvest Christian Fellowship does a thing on Friday night, every Friday night, and it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, me and me and are, we're friends with the guys who do that, and, um, and we go and see what they are doing, and we're like, man, this totally fits for what they're doing. Wow. Um, right. They're getting the community. It's wonderful, but I think that for us, we have to know the context of, of our church and our people and the people who come to Sandals and um, and especially us having so many different sites that are so close to each other too, that really affects what we're doing. And so you said, uh, what did you say? You said city people and setting. church? Yeah, church setting, setting yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, um, so one of the things that is the hardest thing to get used to is that we are no longer a one city church and that is such a weird thing to, wow. to think about uh, i mean you guys know you're over minnesota right yep. like you're not a one city kind of uh kind of thing and and neither are we and so we have um 
we have San Bernardino, which is, you know, definitely not, um, I mean, I think San Bernardino is, is probably, I'm trying to think of like the best way to say it. It, it's not the same as like, uh, like Beverly Hills or something like that. Um, and then we have those, those sort of, I mean, we don't have a campus in Beverly Hills, but, um, it's not one of those campuses where there's going to be a lot of people who are affluent or Mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot of people, um, who went to Ivy league schools or whatever. And then you go to a place like Woodcrest in California where it's more rural, Mm -hmm. um, or you go to our East Valley campus, which is in Redlands. And, um, and it's a lot of people who live in the mountain communities and you go to, um, I mean, we're launching a campus in Fresno and now Fresno isn't even really like, it's kind of Southern California, kind of, I don't even know if it is or not. It's like part of the Central Valley. And so now I'm trying to deal with, um, how do I standardize um, ministry in a way that it can work for multiple communities that still fit our vision? Wow. And so I think when it comes to like thinking about the city, now I have to think about a lot of different cities. I need to make something that is pliable, something that, that's flexible that God can use wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, and so, I mean, that kind of goes hand in hand with people. Uh, well, the, the good thing is, is, is that we have a lot of data about Gen Z, right? There's starting to become more and more data. This is probably going to be the most data that we've had about any generation True. Um, ever. So, um, so we can look at stuff that they care about. They want to be invested in stuff. They want to be invested in by people. Um, and so we can start to build strategy around that. And then setting, um, I mean, I think our setting is really determined by um, – by our lead pastor mm-hmm. and our teaching pastor, who um, the people who he attracts are people who are a little rougher around the edges typically, and who really value our vision of authenticity. We want to be real with ourselves, God, and others, and um, I think that that really appeals to people who are done with, um, you know, maybe they've they've lived a life where they were they tried to be perfect. Or maybe they lived a life where they definitely weren't perfect, like me, yep. and um, they value that idea of, hey, I can come and be myself, and I can discover who God wants me to become. Mm-hmm. So. That's so good. I think that's amazing right there. And, and you referenced Minnesota. Like, Minnesota's a state, just like every state that has rural settings. There's more suburban areas. There's urban areas in terms of, like, a metropolis, a city. But then there's there's also, like churches that fit different needs. There's churches of all sizes. Yeah, there's churches that meet in houses and homes. There's churches that meet in schools mm-hmm. or community centers. There's churches with kind of one campus or there's even multi-site churches. And so what I hear you saying is something that I deeply agree with and that I'm passionate about, mm-hmm. that reaching people works in every setting. And God loves people and he's for people. He's for cities. Mm-hmm. And, and then understanding that what works in Riverside, California at Sandals Church, we shouldn't just cut, you know, copy and paste. Cookie cutters. Yeah, <laughs> as a cookie cutter into what we're doing because the Spirit of God might be doing something different in Riverside than he is in Minneapolis and so that he is in Salt Lake City, Utah or wherever you're listening from. And yet at the same time, our calling, there's 18 to 30-year-olds, there's young adults, there's college students, there's young couples, there's people who are working jobs and careers who are in this demographic that we do have data on that we need to stop researching and we really need to start reaching. And so I love it, Griffin. And one of the people who serves on your young adult leadership team is somebody that I've connected with greatly. And what I've learned about you, Griffin, is you're a phenomenal team builder. People love serving with you and working for you. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us how you invest into so many volunteers and teams and kind of maybe your structure a little bit in terms of how you equip the leaders who lead um, the campuses or lead the groups of college students and young adults in your churches? Yeah, totally. So the first thing for, for me, whenever I'm thinking about recruiting somebody, equipping somebody, encouraging them is I always remind myself that I'm not the best at anything. Like I, I think that God is, has gifted me with being able to see other people's strengths and call them out. And so, um, really for me, I just, um, I have to kind of view myself in that context whenever I'm starting any kind of equipping, empowering, whatever. Um, I'm trying to get people who are better than me and stuff. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I don't, I don't 
want to look for people who are just going to be the same as me or like do the same stuff as me or anything like that. I want to find what people are gifted at. I want to call it out of them and I want to let them go. I just want to like, I'm in the business of trying to unleash people for the gospel. Right. And so, um, so yeah, I think that always starts, um, whatever we do. And a big thing that, that we work on with our structure and with, with how we lead people is we do a lot of collaboration with our campus pastors. So since we're multi-site, um, that means that we've now, we're, we're getting ready to launch our 12th campus. And so that's incredible. That means that, yeah, if I visited one campus every week, I'd be three months out from getting back to it. Right. And so it's, it's sort of, we're in this really cool season where, um, God is doing great things for our ministry, but, um, it means that I have to really rely heavily on our campus employees, the people who are there every week so that we can find the right personnel so that we can, um, we can kind of figure out who's going to fit there. And so for us, that means that we sort of standardize um, the skill set and we mm-hmm. say, hey, these are some of the things that people are going to need to do. And then we uh, we talk to our campus pastors and they're the ones who find the people fit. Right. Like like so we try to bring those two things together and they go, these people fit our culture. And then we help come alongside and we say and we think that they can actually do the work there. And so um, so we have two staff members. It's me and me and Jordan, who you kind of talked about earlier. And then we have 12 campuses and we have uh, male and female leaders at every campus. Amazing. And, uh, none, of, none of them are paid. They're all they're all wow. volunteers and they're the best without them. I, I could not do my job um, and they're just amazing. So, yeah, I think um, for us, the whole leadership structure thing is is really key to us that, that they get care at the campus and they get vision and strategy from us. That's so good. That kind of makes Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of things to reflect on all those different dynamics, all those different opportunities to empower young leaders, younger, older, whoever's getting involved in your churches, but also on college campuses that we know that you have a heart for. Um, Josiah and I, we serve um, on a college campus through Chi Alpha. We were on staff at a church, um, so we kind of understand both worlds. And obviously you are on staff at a church. But one thing I believe that you've kind of almost alluded to was the word collaboration, that you are an individual who has a heart for the next generation, Gen Z, that wants to collaborate and wants to um, bring people together. And we just want to hear more from you of maybe what advice do you have for young adult ministry ministry leaders who's got a burden for their local college campus? Maybe it's a university. Um, Is there any way that you and your church have collaborated or that you've been able to empower volunteer teams to reach or to bring in or to bridge that gap in any way that you'd be able to speak into? Yeah. So, um, definitely if you're coming from a, if you're coming from a church context, um, you have to make sure that people know that you care about their community, yeah. that you care about the religion. You're not just there to get people to, to come to your thing. So, um, so we'll show up and we'll give out scantrons and we'll give out blue books and we'll just have conversations with no prerogative just, hey, we want to show up to San Bernardino or Cal State San Bernardino and um, just hang out and talk to you guys and get to know people. Um, we want to show up to Marina Valley College, start building relationships just organically. So um, that that's one of the things from a church context is I, I don't ever want to go in and say, hey, I have this agenda where, um, you know, you should totally come to my thing. And if you come to my thing, I'll do this or I don't know. Um, I mean, I get that there's some, some strategies where you can do that, but uh, really, we kind of try to go in and um, just try to make connections and talk to people. Mm-hmm. Um, we That means that we also recruit a lot of leaders who are already in the community. Yep. So we try to find people who, um, like, we find people who go to UCR. And we invest in them and we disciple them. And uh, we bring them along so that they can invest in other students so they can start making connections. Um, and so definitely have a big heart for, for this stuff. I mean, I'm... I'm not the, I don't think I've cornered the market on college ministry, um, but from a church perspective, um, doing outreach, reaching out to colleges, working with them, I think my biggest strength is understanding that every college community is different. Mm-hmm. Totally. You have to know the community. 
um, we're right now we're writing standardization for um, like we, we basically are going to have like a, a book that wherever you're at in California or beyond, if you're doing a sandals church, you have this book that you can reference. Um, it's all digital, obviously, but um, but that will tell you here's if I if I am located near a community college, here's how I'm going to reach them. If I'm located near a state university, here's how I'm going to reach them. If I'm located near a private university or a Christian private university, we're going to write out different strategies and different ways to interact. And who do I go to if I want to do something? And mm-hmm. How do I not ruin the relationship with the college by overstepping or yeah. um, by doing things that they really don't want me doing? And so I think that's probably more where I can speak into it is, is from a church perspective of how do you respect their community and, and not just try to capitalize on being close to a college? So. Griffin, that's amazing. And what I, what I take away from, from that is every church leader who's on staff at a church that maybe is leading young adult ministry could be aware and informed in what colleges and universities surround them and then understanding the dynamics of equipping and raising leaders and find out what God is blessing mm-hmm. and then be a part of it. I think that's one of the keys to collaboration. Yeah, sorry. Can I, I, I totally forgot to mention something. This is major. So what we'll do is um, we'll go, like, let's say UCR. We go to UCR and we look at what's going on there. And um, there's already ministries that are thriving, that yeah. are doing really well. Um, so does it make sense for me to go in and launch something at UCR? Mm-hmm. Well, sort of. We do have groups that meet there, um, people who are, um, who are attending UC Riverside, um, and they go to our church, and so we get them plugged into our groups. But we also do a lot with collaborating with ministries that are on campus and meeting with them and talking to them because um, there's a lot of instances where I don't have to reinvent the wheel, where I can partner with people, and maybe they have 10 of their 40 students go to Sandals, you know, and I can go and I can care for those 10 instead of um, us trying to do our own thing and trying to figure it out on our own when. Uh, maybe this minister's already been on campus for like five years. Why would I not want to leverage with them right. um, if we both care about the same gospel? Why wouldn't we work together? You know, and so I think that um, I think that's important. I think also I think modeling that for students and them getting to see, hey, even though these people aren't at the same church, they still love the same Jesus. Yes, and uh, they friends and they can work together. I think that's so important, especially for this generation, um, to not think that there's some kind of competition between churches or Mm -hmm. ministries. Um, I mean, yeah, me and Josiah started talking and literally it was just like, hey, we are in totally like different contexts in where we're at in America, but we're doing the same stuff and and we love the same kind of things. Yes. How can we pray and support each other? And so I think collaborating in that way is so important um, and it just does a lot to make Jesus look good. Yeah. yeah. Griffin, I think you nailed it on the head when you had said a couple of things. I'm just taking notes while you're talking and to be reminded that no matter where we're serving for God's kingdom, we are on the same team. You know, we don't want to be people who guard our own turf and, you know, don't let newcomers on or don't want to extend the hand of Christ to other believers, you know, whether it's on campus or in our church. Unfortunately, we have to you know, be aware of that. Um, but also, I love that you said col- collaborating with the campuses, um, taking um, an opportunity to pour into the current college students that are attending your church. And God has planted them on those campuses for such a time as this. And they're leading some form of group, or they're a part of another group, or they're, you know, being equipped to share the gospel you know, with with other individuals. And one thing I would encourage, if there's a listener and you want to get involved with a college campus or you have a heart for college students and you don't know where to start, Josiah and I believe that everything that God speaks is birthed in prayer. 100%. And we we truly believe in um, the book, the, the Circle Maker by Mark Batterson of, you know, if, if you if you don't necessarily have access to be on a campus as an individual or you're maybe not wanted, you still have the right to go on a prayer walk. You have the right to, you know, pray for that campus, pray for those students, pray for those faculty, the president, the leaders, whomever is involved in that university or to your school or trade school. And maybe that's what God's asking some listeners to do is start with something in prayer 
and and see what God does and see how yeah. he continually downloads those things. And you said that uh, we don't want to come with an agenda on campus. A hundred percent agree. But Griffin, this is the part where we do have an agenda and we do. Yeah. Oh, do you have another idea, Josiah? That was such a great transition I had and he's interrupting me. Okay, go ahead. Okay, we're, we're <laughs> going to get to that agenda in just a second. But Griffin, before we share with you our agenda can can i just dive into collaboration for one more second because you had even shared i think before we hit record just something cool that god's doing in your state and in your region like even in the last couple weeks and it was collaborating with other churches and that's something that we're really passionate about Mm -hmm. and that's even one of the reasons why this podcast exists and why there's a facebook group and why we have social media is so that we can exchange ideas all of us is smarter than one of us and just knowing who else we're praying for is huge so can you talk about what you shared with us about just like getting together with some other leaders from different churches and what that looked like and what you saw there yeah, so um, one of the great things about our church growing and maturing is that we build more relationships with other people who are doing great ministry. And so um, there's there's sometimes there's people who want to come and visit our church and just check it out and kind of get mm-hmm. an idea for how we do th- how we do things. And you had um, you had kind of mentioned uh, maybe the church that has eight young adults who are coming. Yeah, um, we want to open doors to them and we want to say, hey, here's what works for us. Here's what we failed at. Um, Here's, here's the struggles we've had. Take what you can from that and go and do great ministry. That's one part of collaboration, right? We, um, yeah, the, our strategy does not belong to us. Um, if God has given us a strategy, it's God's strategy, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, I always preface it with, hey, this is our context, but here's what we've been doing. And lately we've been able to do that with a lot of other big churches where I think that sometimes there might be this weird culture with, Christians who are at, I think maybe more likely when, when they're at uh, private Christian universities where they're like, Oh, you, you go to sandals. Like, Oh, I don't, I've heard some stuff about that church. You're, you're one of those sandals people or you're one of those whatever people. Right. And it's like mm-hmm. different churches, each other. And so, um, so we basically just got together with all the other churches that are, um, that are, that we know about that we're interested in meeting with us. And we said, Hey, how can we model that we all love each other? Yes. We all love the same and that we want to do something great together. Um, and so we all are on each other's team. We're talking to each other. We're texting each other. We're emailing each other and we're meeting so that we can figure out, Hey, maybe we'll plan something great for Riverside. Maybe we, um, maybe we just do something where, uh, we have guest speakers come to our different stuff or switch it, switch stuff around. But essentially, um, I think that collaboration is so important because if we're all called towards the same thing, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that we all have to be the same people in the same church, right? Like um, when Jesus prays for unity, I always think of that and I go, wait, Jesus prayed for unity because the church is diverse, right? Because everybody has different strengths, different weaknesses. And so there's unity through diversity, right? right. Diversity of thought, diversity of context, diversity of whatever. Um, and so if we can show that and model that for young people that, Hey, we're united, even though we're from different places. Um, I think that that just does a lot to advance the gospel. That's good. Is this my cue? Josiah's nodding. Can I transition? I interrupted your agenda. I interrupted your transition. That was perfect. So I don't know how, I don't know how to redeem that moment, but here's the question. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well, Griffin, we've actually come to the point in our podcast where we love to ask you as a guest five questions in five minutes so you have 60 seconds to answer each question and we just love to learn from you so question number one is if you could describe yourself in three words what would they be okay um three words i would say i think that i'm i'm pretty intense i think that i have a good sense of humor so i'd say intense humorous and then the last thing i would say is father I think that everything that I do, like anytime people talk to me, can't stop talking about my my daughter, man, my baby girl. So it's humorous father. Love it. So cool. And Griffin, next question is, what would your dream in one sentence be? How would you answer that question? Uh, Okay. So I just talked about my daughter. My dream is to get a front row seat to see her grow up and love Jesus and serve him. 
That's so good. That's powerful. Oh. And you're you're speaking to me because I, God willing, in May will become a father. And that's a new concept. So to hear that, that I hope that speaks to others that are listening too. But that really hit my heart, man. Love it. Love it. All right. Question number three. If you could ask Josiah and I any question, what would it be? Or... What has surprised you about the next generation? You can choose which direction you, you go with that question. You can ask us a question, or you can answer the question, what has surprised you about the next generation? Yeah, okay, I want to ask you guys a question. So my wife and I have done ministry together, but in the context of, of me maybe being like the minister over kids' ministry, and then she, you know, she does stuff in the kids' ministry. You guys are partners in ministry. My wife and I are kind of trending more towards that being the case. Um, what are some of the most important things to learn about doing ministry with your spouse um, in the context of you guys being partners and united? That's, That's an awesome question. It's deep. The best answer that I have in less than 60 seconds, and I'll only take 30 of it because half of it's her. But I remember being single starting out in ministry, and I believe that God put me as almost like an oak tree planted by living water, planted by streams of living water, which could provide shade for a generation. And when you get married, there's two of you, and it's like a twin oak tree, mm -hmm. and the shade more than doubles, and, and the shade for a generation. And so I think there's some things that's me, I do. Then there's some things that she does, and then there's some things that we do together. And so what I've really wanted to do is champion Micah and every dream, every passion, every idea that she has, mm -hmm. I want to put even more weight behind it than I would my own idea. And then there's two of us and I don't need to be the face of everything. I'm comfortable carrying bags, playing the background role. But I think that knowing that God's gifted her to not only disciple young women, but mentor them and to be a pastor to them. Mm -hmm. And that's really a role that I don't believe that I can fill nearly as well. And so anytime that I can just have an open hand and open heart to what God's doing through her mm -hmm. and treasure her and understand that our ministry begins with our relationship, our walk with God individually, our yeah. marriage collectively, our family, before it ever gets out the door of our front 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 door of our house, mm -hmm. and I know she'll say something even more eloquent. Oh no, I don't. Know, I don't know about that. I would just add to that that something that we've learned is I said it already that we're on the same team, and to understand that we have different strengths, we have different weaknesses, we have different leadership styles. Totally. But to allow each other to step out into what God has, and and like you said, get behind each other and push that dream through the door and to champion and cheer each other on. Like I think Josiah and I, we are each other's biggest cheerleaders. And sometimes we need to, we've had to step back and recognize we are different people. We function differently, but we're fighting for the same thing. Meaning we're fighting for God's kingdom. We're fighting for young adults and we're bridging that gap. And to know that in that process, we are in our own lanes, but it's a two-laned highway and we're going the same direction. And we're not there to bump each other off the road and say, peace in the ditch. Like, that's not how we play, you know? But to recognize, we can look over and be like, way to go. God is doing something in and through you. I see you growing. And we're gonna spur each other on in those yeah. moments. And we're gonna hold hands and run the same direction. I'm not gonna be drugged. I'm not gonna be like drugged behind him. I'm not gonna try to drag him because Christ has to be number one in our singleness, but also in our marriage, he has to be the center. So those are just things that we've learned is to, how do I help pioneer something on in your heart? Even when I maybe won't play a, a part of it aside than praying for you behind the scenes, being your biggest cheerleader and your biggest biggest fan and getting behind you and pushing like let's see what God's gonna do so to know that we're different people and we just function differently it's okay and to look at each other at the end of the day yeah. and be like God is uh, how do we get to do this I think that's one question Josiah has been asking me Micah how is life so good how do we get to do this like I just can't believe it <laughs> so I think that's a fun thing to do life with your spouse um, one other thing I would add is something that we've done. I know I'm taking longer than a minute. I'm breaking my own rules. And it's um, at the end of the day, like, hey, we're not going to talk about ministry, but we're going to get in the throne room of God and we're going to be thankful and we're going to thank him together. But 
we we need to have that separation at times of when we're in our home, we can invest in ourselves and in our future. We don't have to talk about the young adults and what they're going through. We already dealt with that today. We prayed for them. We've set them free and we're bridging that gap and we're home. We get to be ourselves. And what the funnest thing I think is inviting one person in. So last week we had one of our students come into our home. Josiah was working on something. He's like, do you need another set of eyes to help you with that? And Josiah's like, yeah, sure, man, come on over. I'll buy Chipotle. Come on over. We'll hang out. Well, I went to Bible study. Four and a half hours later, I come home, and they're still around the table. And he came up to Josiah last night, and he goes, Josiah, my favorite thing about the semester and my highlight was spending time with you <laughs> around your table and seeing Micah go out the door and you saying, See you guys. I love you. And he's like, I've never heard you guys say that before. So there is such a blessing in being married and being a testimony to those around and not hiding who we are because who we are right now is who you see in the grocery store and who you see at home. And we just want to be consistent people in ministry and our role of ministry outside on the street to a stranger, to a student in our home who just wanted a place to hang out. Like, so... I don't know if that encourages you and your wife. <laughs> I hope it does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's totally, uh, just as you guys are talking, I'm just thinking about her, thinking about her, and I'm like, man, um, yeah, what Josiah says, I ask myself every day, like, how how is God so good to me that wow. I can be with this person? <laughs> One little part of my story I didn't mention was um, we actually, her and I met the day after I got out of jail. We just happened to run into each other, and, and that's how our relationship started. And I was like, God waited until he was, you know, he ripped me from where I was mm-hmm. um, to invite me into this relationship with this person who is so far superior to me in any way I can think of, you know. And, and so I ask myself that every day. How did I get so lucky, so blessed? Um, I can't believe it, you know. So. It's incredible. And thanks for sharing part of your story and kind of going off script for a minute. Sometimes that's where the Holy Spirit moves the most is like we can have a plan but let's pause for a second and lean in. So back into the five and five, question four out of five is, would you be willing to tell us one of the most epic failures that you've ever experienced in ministry or, or life, or it it could be, you could go any direction with it. Yeah. So I'll try to be quick. I think that, um, you know, I came onto staff pretty young. Um, I was 23 and, um, and I think that, I started to really view myself in the context of what my role was at the church, mm-hmm. um, which, which is okay if that's like the, like the third or fourth thing down, right? Right. Um, and I stopped viewing myself in the context of who my God is, mm-hmm. um, and so just because I think for a while there, I had confused God and ministry. I I put ministry in this position where it was kind of defining who I was. And, um, and it led me to a path where I was depressed because if you're, if your identity is in anything but Christ, it's never going to, um, it's mm-hmm. never, you're never going to be fulfilled. Right. And so I had gone through a season of depression because I relied on the things that I was doing rather than the God who's already done everything to define who I am. And so, um, I had a wake up call a few years ago and I, I realized that, that, that it needs to be God first then my family. And then the work that I do, you know, in, in that order, I'm not, um, I, I'm a, I'm redeemed first. I'm a believer. And then, um, I'm a husband and father, and then I'm a minister, you know? And I think that, um, that was a huge failure that, that caused me a lot of pain for a lot of years. And, um, I just didn't realize that I was just kind of a younger guy who was excited about ministry and, um, and sometimes you can get caught up in that stuff. So. I think it's a great reminder for any of our listeners or future leaders who are online right now to be reminded that first and foremost, our identity is in Jesus Christ. It's yep. not in what we do, even though that is a slippery slope um, or easy to get sucked into. I mean, that's that's it is what it is. Um, but we have our last and final question, and maybe along those lines, I don't know if you're going to piggyback anything off, but if you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders one thing, Griffin, what would you leave them with today? Yeah. First off, I'm praying for you. I pray for our nation and for young adult leaders. Amen. And he's called you into something that is scary, mm-hmm. right? It, and, and that's okay. Um, 
I get worried all the time about uh, the work that we're doing and whether or not it's going to work or am I going to am I going to ruin people's lives if I do something wrong and and I freak out about the work that I do um, and that is okay. We just need to give that over to God, mm-hmm. right? When He says, um, when He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body, what you wear. Um, I always think like, like He's with me in every situation. And if he's calling me to do something, I hope it's scary. So I have to rely on him. That's right. And so if you're doing hard work, rely on God, um, press into the things you're kind of fearful of and go, go, okay, how is God going to get me through this? Can't wait to see how it's going to happen. You know? So I, I think that we're all in, in, I don't think that the enemy really wants us to be doing the work we're doing. Right. That's right. And so, so yeah, but we have a God that's so much more powerful. That's amazing. And I think that it's just been fun to sit with you and we've had other great conversations before and I'm energized every time, Griffin. And I just sense that in this moment, God's doing like a new season for you, a new season for your marriage even. And and I think you alluded to that, but I just picture what God's doing in you as a follower of Jesus, what God's doing in you as a, as a husband and then as a father. Mm-hmm. There's like there's just a new outpouring of his spirit that I just picture him anointing you with just an overflowing oil that, that it's just like, it's, mm-hmm. it's running over you and, and you're attached to the wellspring of God. And it's just fun because I think that then Psalms talks about from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so I think that new messages that a new season, that even the way that you train and equip leaders, there's going to be a new season and new direction of that. So Griffin, Mm -hmm. thanks so much for your time today, my friend. Hey, thank you guys. Um, you know, I, I admire you guys so much and I'm so thankful for your guys' friendship and for you being gracious and having me on. Um, yeah, I just love you guys. And I thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Of course, guys, what a great conversation today. Thanks for joining us. So you guys can find out more about Griffin Harrell, Sandals Church, as well as Sandals Young Adults when you connect with us on our website. There'll be a section called Show Notes at youngadults.today, as well as we will post them later online on social media at youngadults.today. So until next time, this is Josiah and Micah with Griffin (laughs) Harrell, and we're signing off on Young Adults Today. We're encouraging you to dream big, collaborate with each other, and run after the vision that God's placed on your heart. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.